if we can maybe take out text and friends from chapter 19 uh, and uh, the last uh, verse that we read there in verse 10 chapter 19 uh, verse 10 for the son of man has come to seek and uh, to save that which was uh, lost i'm going to give a heading uh, to our sermon this evening and it's climbing high to see jesus Climbing high to see Jesus. Now, as we tonight, with God's help, try and consider something of uh, the happenings in the life of a, a certain uh, a tax collector, a very wealthy tax collector at that. Let me quote to you maybe what our friend C.H. Spurgeon once said about uh, possessions or uh, possessing uh, uh, material uh, uh, riches. He says that that only is worth my having, which I can have forever. That only is worth my grasping, which death cannot tear out of my hand. Now, we read throughout scripture, especially in the New Testament, of many uh, rich men. Uh, that came uh, to Jesus. And uh, many rich men that Jesus spoke to uh, as well. Now, these rich men, uh, many of them, countless numbers of them, wouldn't be able to understand the worth and the value of what uh, uh, Spurgeon has just quoted there. They, they imagine themselves, they forget that all that they have is from the hand of God. But they, they, they persuade themselves that their riches, their material possessions, and all that they call their own, that it's their own hand that, that has gone forth to secure all these lavish uh, riches and, and uh, material possessions that they uh, imagine that they possess. And they don't see the worth and the value of the greatest and the most valuable of all possessions. And that is the pair of great price, the unsearchable riches uh, of Christ. Now, the man that was to consider this evening, he was also a very wealthy, rich man, a tax collector, a publican called uh, Zacchaeus. And we see here this evening how he responded to the message uh, that he heard from uh, the lips of Jesus himself. Now, I want to consider with you tonight the text in the light of that very verse that we have just read there in chapter uh, uh, verse 10 that the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost you know how thankful we are that that verse is written in scripture that that there is hope for hopeless sinners such as you and i that are lost if we put our trust in him by faith in christ the son of man as he's offered a to us uh, in the gospel, that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And we all, friends, have that in common. None of us can claim exemption. We're all lost. By nature, we're lost sinners. We're lost without hope. We're lost without Christ in this world. And uh, lost we are until we are found by this very person that found Zacchaeus here, a lost sinner. And Jesus passes by, we see, to seek him and 
to save them. Now, this was a very memorable day for, for Zacchaeus. He, he dropped out. He fell out of bed this morning, that morning, like any other normal sinner. Just, it was just an ordinary day. He was a sinner. He fell out of bed a sinner. And before the night was out, he became a trophy of grace. He became a trophy of grace when he became by, uh, a, a believer, a converted Zacchaeus, a saved Zacchaeus, a new creature in Christ Jesus. The setting then, the setting is we see Jericho, a town situated, we uh, uh, read, in the Jordan Valley. Where was the Jordan Valley? It's in the West Bank uh, in Israel. And we read that Jesus was passing through. Now, Jesus was actually passing through Jericho for the last time. This was his last trip to Jericho. And he was passing through with his eye upon Jerusalem, with, the, with Calvary in his gaze and the cross. But in a few days' time, he was going to die the death of death for this very person uh, that he was to meet uh, in uh, Jericho. He had come uh, to seek and to save uh, Zacchaeus. What was uh, uh, Jericho like? Well, friends, historians tell us that it was a, a little paradise resort. That's how Matthew Henry uh, describes it. It was a little paradise resort. And apparently it was a place. People go on holiday, they take a, a, a breaks here and there. People were taking breaks in these uh, days as well. And this was the ideal location. And uh, many wealthy people, rich people, prosperous people uh, uh, came here, along with many others as well. And it was an idyllic setting simply because of where it was located. It was located some 853 feet below sea level. And you can imagine that it enjoyed a good climate uh, throughout uh, uh, the year. Now, it had many features, we're told, but one of the main striking features uh, in Jericho that its streets were lined with, with uh, trees, with sycamore trees and uh, palm trees. Now, that's just a, a brief, brief uh, a background. Uh, there's many other things that we could say uh, about Jericho that I don't really want to focus on. But I want to consider with you this man, Zacchaeus, and the Lord's gracious dealings with him under three headings. Firstly, Zacchaeus's uh, curiosity. Zacchaeus is curiosity. The first thing that we read about him was that he was a, a powerful man. He was a prominent individual because of the position uh, that he held. You and I often get these brown envelopes coming through the post that we very much dislike from the MHS Inspector of Taxes. He was the, the, the top-notch tax inspector uh, in Jericho. And he looked after all the other offices uh, in the district uh, as well. We read that he was the chief among the publicans, your equivalent, as I said, of chief 
a, a tax inspector. And something else that, that we see here, that he was very, very rich. In fact, he was fabulously rich. And the reason that he was rich as a tax collector was because he emptied other people's pockets in the process of what he was doing in a very, very dishonest uh, way. He handsomely lined his own pockets and scrupulously emptied the pockets of people who had very little. He was a dishonest, a deceitful man and a crook. That's how this man became rich. Uh, fabulously uh, rich. So he was a powerful man because of his position, tax inspector, chief tax inspector. He was fabulously rich. There was something else. He was also hated. He was, if we can say, fabulously hated uh, as well because of who he was. Not only because he was a chief tax inspector. All chief tax inspectors were hated. But this particular Zacchaeus was, was vehemently hated because he jumped ship. You see, he was a Jew, but he jumped ship. He became an employee uh, of uh, Rome, an employee of the Roman Empire. And because of such, he was a traitor and a rogue by his fellow Jews, and they had no time whatsoever for uh, him. Something else, he was very ambitious. He was very, very ambitious. Zacchaeus had many ambitions. He had high hopes. He had high aspirations. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, friends, there's nothing wrong with working hard, working for our families, working for our future, uh, putting money aside. All these things have God's commendation. Whatever thine hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might, and the Lord thy God will make thee plenteous in every work of thine. See, all these things are well in their own place if we don't if we don't do what? If we don't leave God out of the equation. That's what Zacchaeus did. He left God uh, out of the equation. He lived without God. God and the things of God were only a distraction. He didn't want true religion to interfere at least with his life. Over the last few days, I picked up the Inver a copy of the Inverness Courier uh, in Inverness, and there was a glowing tribute there to a man who I often spoke to on the high street in Inverness. He was a prominent individual in the Highlands. He had reached the age of 94. This is what that white man once said to me not that long ago. He says, I don't want any God or any religion in my life. I've managed fine without them until now. These things are only a distraction. 
Isn't it sad? God, his word, prayer, Christianity, concern for his soul, preparation for the world to come, were not on this man's agenda, on Zacchaeus' agenda. The only thing on his agenda was doing well, doing well in life, climbing up that ladder, amassing as much as he could, lining his own pocket, and he didn't really care at the end of the day whose, whose pockets he emptied to line his own. That was the only thing uh, on his mind. Dear friends, I hope there's none of us like that uh, here uh, this evening. I hope there's none of us like that. A warning comes to us from an old divine who said, the health of our bodies, he says, the passion of our minds, the noise and hurry and pleasures and business of this world lead us on with eyes that see not and ears that hear not. No, he says, a man caught up with this world is not ready for the next one. And Thomas Brooks, he adds to this, and he says, you may as well fill a bag with wisdom, a chest with riches, or a circle with a triangle, as the heart of man with something else here below. A man may have enough of the world to sink him, but he can never have enough uh, to satisfy him. The story is told of a, a, a wealthy man. And uh, he advertised uh, in one of the papers that he was prepared to give up his, uh, one of his properties to somebody, to, to anyone who was contented in life. It wasn't long, of course, before the knock came to the door. This uh, person making a claim upon the property that he was giving away free. He says, the, the, man, the, the man says, if you're contented, why do you want the property? The heart of man. There's an emptiness in the heart of man that this world will never fill. Look at, listen to what the, the King Solomon once said. He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth abundance with increase. This is also vanity. All the labor of man is for his mouth, and yet the appetite is not filled. Zacchaeus' appetite was not filled because he was hungering after the things that disappeared, that appeared like the vapor on a kettle for a while and then vanisheth away. As the Bible says, he was hungering after the things which perish with a, the using. I made reference to, to Lot's name this morning and what it meant. There's a similarity here with the, the, the name Zacchaeus. Listen to what the name Zacchaeus means. It means pure, innocent, blameless, righteous. He was everything but. He, it, he might as well have been called Mr. Fraudulent, Mr. Fiddler, Mr. Dishonest, because he didn't really live up to the name or at least the meaning uh, of the name that he had. Now, friends, you and I are in the same category in, in so many ways because we have a heart that is also full of sin. There's fraudulence and there's, there's, there's uh, deceit and dishonesty uh, in, in all of us. 
the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? One translation, another translation of the scripture says that the heart is incurably, incurably sinful. You know how thankful we are that there is a cure for sin-sick souls uh, in the gospel. As our dear friend, again, Bishop Ryle says, he says, hospitals, hospices, and sanatoriums discharge many cases as incurable. But there are, he says, no incurable cases under the gospel. He says, any sinner may be healed if he or she will only come to Christ. Zacchaeus, deep, deep down in his heart, was conscious that there was a, a missing uh, link. That was a missing link. Since I was here last, I've been in a number of places. Last, one of the places I was in last was, was Aberdeen, in the Northfield area, which is a stone's throw away uh, from our uh, church there. And as we went from door to door, it was quite evident. There was brokenness everywhere. But I remember going into a, a, a flat that had been it turned into a crisis center. And as I went into that crisis center, of course, my accent always, you know, is a bridge to conversation. And the lady asked as to what I was about. And I told her, and she says, every house around here needs something like that inside the letterbox, she said. And this is what she went, this is the world speaking. This is what she said. Everybody here, she says, is alive, but they're not living. She said, that's why there's such brokenness around this area. You see, there's a missing link in people's lives that leads to brokenness. And in the midst of the many conversations we had was with a young guy called Brogan, 22. And he was obviously monitoring us with what we were doing. And he shouted, what are you selling? And anyway, a conversation ensued. Brogan was 22, very sincere he was. He had never heard anything about the truth of God's word. He was from Liverpool. He had never been to church in his life. He had never been to a funeral. He had never been to Sunday school. He didn't know what the word Jesus, he says, means that it, I use it as a curse, he says, or in a swear word. I don't know anything else about Jesus. And he was sincere and he was on. We spoke to him about things of God for maybe half an hour. And it was amazing. He started asking questions. He became curious. He, his, his curiosity was aroused when we spoke to him about these things. Now, what I'm getting at, it was curiosity that aroused Zacchaeus' interest in the things of God. You know, it's always good for us to be a, a, a curious about the things that, a, that belong to our soul salvation. Zacchaeus had a great curiosity to see this Jesus that he had heard so much about. Notice here his curiosity in verses 3 and 4. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. And of course, our dear friend Ryle, he reinforces this. He says, curiosity and nothing but curiosity appear to have been the only motive of his mind. 
that curiosity arose, once aroused, Zacchaeus was determined to gratify it. Rather than not see Jesus, he ran on before <clears throat> he ran on before along the road to see that he might surely see him. Zacchaeus' curiosity. Secondly, Zacchaeus' uh, calling. You know, friends, there are many traps and decoys and snares that the devil will put in your path in trying to prevent you from becoming a Christian, preventing you from coming to this to see this uh, Jesus. Yeah, it's amazing. Respond to anything in life. The devil would have you respond to all and everything in life, except the call of the gospel, not the call of the gospel, not the call of salvation, not the call to be born again. He'll tell you there's plenty of time for these things as we consider this morning, but he's only the father of lies. We see here that there was two subtle obstacles that the devil placed in front of Zacchaeus. And he had to overcome these two ob obstacles if he was uh, uh, to see this Jesus that he was craving to see. Notice the, the first obstacle is the crowd, and the second one is his size. And he saw to see Jesus who he was and couldn't for the press, for the crowd, because he was little of stature in height. He couldn't satisfy his curiosity because the crowd was so big and he was so little. You know, friends, great sizes, little sizes, no sizes. Satan will use them all to his advantage. Charles Hodge, theologian, he says, Satan the great adversary directs all the energy to prevent men becoming the subject of that illumination of which the gospel, as the revelation of the glory of Christ, is the source. He has the power to certainly assume any pleasing shape and size, to deceive men and drive them away from Christ and his gospel. Friends, can I pose a question to you here in Sandwich Road this evening? What if you're if you're not a Christian, if you're not a believer, what's hindering you? What's keeping you from not uh, coming to Christ? You know, I don't know what it is. I just don't know what it is. But it must be something that's very, very valuable to you. It must be something that's more valuable than Jesus himself. You know, friends, it has to be got rid of. It has to be got disposed of, whatever it is. Don't, my friends, let your excuses come between yourself and hell and a lost eternity. You know, there's one thing that we're all good at. You're shocked to hear that. There's one thing that we're all good at. What is it? We're all good at sinning. We're all good at sinning. And it's because we're good at sinning that we need to start climbing high up to see Jesus as Zacchaeus uh, did 
here so that their sins are dealt with. We read that Zacchaeus climbed up into a sycamore tree uh, to see Jesus. You know, he had done a lot of climbing before this day. A lot, a lot of climbing. And in his own eyes and in the eyes of, of his, uh, uh, his employer, Rome, he was doing well. He was climbing up that uh, ladder, every rung of that ladder, the ladder of prosperity, the ladder of ambition, the ladder of wealth, the ladder of success. But there was one thing he didn't realize. He didn't realize that the rungs of that ladder were very, very uh, uh, insecure. Very, very insecure. Very wobbly, if we can say, and could collapse at any time. I don't know if I've told you this story before. The story is told of Sir Titus Salt. And he was uh, uh, wealthy, became eventually a, worth, a wealthy woolen factory millionaire down in England. And he started life off as many businessmen do at the bottom, at the bottom rung of, of the ladder. And he did well, and he became successful, and he, became, uh, he reached the, 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 the top of that ladder. And, uh, of course, when, when you do well in society, the world out there recognizes your achievements and your accomplishments. And he was given the title Sir, Sir Titus Salt. And he was given a seat in, in Parliament. Now, by the world's way of reckoning, this man was actually doing very, very well. By the world's way of thinking. He seemed to have everything. There was nothing that one could say that he was in need of. But you know, this man, there was an emptiness in his heart that he acknowledged that this world could never feel, fill. Despite all that he possessed, all that he thought he claimed as his own, there was a, a restlessness. The Bible says that the eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. On a Sunday night, just like an evening like this, he heard a preacher. And the preacher was telling the congregations how days earlier in his garden, he had some painted sticks in his garden. He had some painted sticks that he had painted. And he saw a, a, a grass, uh, was it a, 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 a caterpillar crawling up uh, to the top of these uh, painted sticks, thinking that there was a, 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 a juicy twig or something at the top. But for that a caterpillar to retrace its steps all the time because there was nothing there. Came back up, came back down. There was nothing there. And this is what the preacher said. He said, There are many painted sticks in this world. They are the painted sticks of pleasure, wealth, power, and fame. They are all climbing, uh, calling out, Climb me, climb me, climb me. Men climb them only have to only to have to retrace their steps. Sir Titus Salt was restless over what he heard, and he went back the following day to see uh, the preacher. And he says, I'm a multimillionaire, but I'm weary. He says, is there any hope for a person like me? He says, I've got everything. 
but in one sense, I've got nothing. And the, the preacher quoted to him, or referred, spoke to him about a verse in Scripture. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And Sir Titus sought a, a found peace of soul. You know, that rest is to be found only in one place. And that's when we start climbing up to see Jesus. Notice here the blessing that comes with it, with it. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Zacchaeus' curiosity, Zacchaeus' calling. Thirdly, a few words on Zacchaeus' uh, conversion. If you notice here, there was nothing. There was absolutely nothing this day that was going to prevent Zacchaeus uh, from seeing Jesus as he passed by. Absolutely nothing. He was taken up with this craving to see him despite what he was and what he deserved. What was he? A great sinner. What did he deserve? What did he deserve? Being lost forever. What you and I deserve. We're all sinners and we're lost forever. Deserve to be lost forever. That, that was that truth was, was niggling away at Zacchaeus. We believe that the Spirit of the Lord obviously was striving with him. Now, it's interesting here to see what Zacchaeus is doing. He's running. There's nothing wrong, surely, with, with running to see Jesus. But we stop here and pause for a moment. We're told by the, the, those who are knowledgeable in the, in the scriptures that in the East at that time, it was unheard of for, uh, for a man like this, a businessman, uh, to be running, especially not a, a chief tax inspector. This man with hardly with uh, shoes. He was only five feet uh, tall with his shoes off, and he's running down a street like a curious boy following uh, a parade. Notice him in the corner of your eye. There's a huge crowd, and he's, everybody's elbowing and shoving and pushing. He was probably doing this, elbowing and pushing and shoving, trying to get through this huge crowd. And the crowd did probably everything in their power uh, to hinder him because of their dislike for him. A publican, a tax collector, a fiddler. Why is a fiddler like this wanting to see this man, Jesus? There was nothing else on his agenda. All of these people had heard so much about Jesus. He had heard so much about Jesus, about this man from Galilee, this Nazarene who had achieved so many miracles. He brought the dead to life again. I must see him. He climbs to a sycamore tree to see him. I say unto you, except be ye converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of God. 
Zacchaeus had many things on his full agenda before this day. Many things on his agenda. And all of a sudden, he's but only got one thing only. It wasn't the church. It wasn't religion or a denomination. It wasn't priests or ministers. Jesus only. Jesus only. Jesus only for believing. Jesus only for living. Jesus only for dying. You know, wouldn't it be in a better spiritual place ourselves if that was our focus? Jesus only. Jesus only. He became obsessed with Jesus only. And it seems he's thrown everything else away, friends. Nothing mattered anymore. No word of his riches, his wealth, his prosperity, his status, the applause of men. All these things that he was looking for in this world. He's thrown them as if it were uh, to the four winds. I don't know what he expected to hear from the lips of Jesus that day on the sycamore tree when he saw him coming. But little did he expect to hear these words. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto Zacchaeus, Make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God, even to those who believe in his name. You know, friends, Zacchaeus that day received something that his employers in Rome couldn't give him. He received something that nobody in Jericho could give him. He received something that the world out there couldn't give him. And it's the same with you and me. If we start climbing high, as he did, we'll receive Jesus. We'll receive Jesus. This man was gloriously converted. He was genuinely converted. How do we know? We see many people in our day and they'll tell us, well, I'm a Christian. How, how do we know that he was a genuine Christian, Zacchaeus, became a genuine Christian, that he wasn't a, a gimmick or a, a counterfeit or a, a pretender? The evidence, there was evidence in his life. Everything changed. Everything changed in his life. Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And, I have to take, and if I have taken anything away from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation eh, come into this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I don't know what the song of his heart was early that morning, but I certainly know what the song of his heart was going to bed this evening. Oh, the unsearchable riches of Christ, wealth that can never be told, riches exhaustless of mercy and grace, precious, more precious than gold, Oh, the unsearchable riches of Christ, freely, how freely they flow 
making the souls of the faithful and true happy wherever they go. Oh, the unsearchable riches of Christ, who shall their greatness declare? Jewels whose luster our lives may adorn, pearls that the poorest may wear. You know, friends, there's a reward in looking unto Jesus. We made reference to that this morning. Look unto me and be ye saved all the ends of the earth. There's a reward in hearing that message as well. Hear, and your soul shall live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant. Isn't that wonderful? We make our own excuses. You know, friends, whatever else is valuable to you in this world, I know it might be, there are many, many things that are valuable to us. But if they come between ourselves and Christ, then ultimately they come between us as well and will lead us to a lost eternity in hell. May the Lord give us that wisdom that was given to Zacchaeus and the spirit that he had as well to humble himself eh, as he did when he found the pearl of great price. May the Lord bless his word to us. Let us pray. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt give us grace so that we too might uh, climb high, that we might climb high to see uh, Jesus. As we are reminded, there is uh, a reward in climbing high. Uh, when he heard these uh, memorable words, for today's salvation is uh, come into thine house. And we pray, Lord, for uh, uh, household salvation uh, within the four walls of the homes of our friends here. Household grace and household mercy. A household faith. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt bless the congregation in the week that we have entered. And uh, in their respective uh, callings on land and on sea, uh, in the home or in the uh, office. We pray, Lord, that thou wilt help us to be bright lights for thee in this world's darkness uh, that would shine more and more even into that perfect day. We pray thy blessing upon the young children during their school holidays. Look after each of them, whether they stay at home or whether they may travel to the mainland. Give them all and their parents traveling and journeying mercies. Unite us together in the bond of true Christian fellowship so that we might be one with thee and thee one with us. Lord, bless us now as we sing our final praise to con in conclusion. May the glory be thine and the blessing ours. For Jesus' sake, amen.